hey, it's Ian Altman, people would come to me and say, can you build a community where we can interact with other people who are applying same-side selling to their business? And that's what we built with the Same-Side Selling Academy. Best of all, right now, it's totally free. So go to samesidesellingacademy.com, sign up there, and be a part of the community. And just, I encourage you to be an active member of that community. I look forward to seeing you there. Hey, it's Ian Altman. Welcome. This is a solo episode. And given the time of the year that we're launching this episode, I want to talk specifically about how to plan for a successful year. I work with a lot of different businesses. And I'm fortunate because I get to see different methods and approaches that work and some that don't work so well. And oftentimes when leaders and even salespeople are planning out their year and thinking about whether it's their week, their month, their quarter, or their year, they often focus very specifically on the tactics that they're going to apply. And more specifically, they often talk about the activity that they're going to pursue. Meaning, when I say to somebody, well, look, how are you going to hit your goals this year? It is not atypical for someone to say, well, the way I'm going to hit my goals is I'm going to make 58 phone calls a day. And I'm going to have 37 meetings a month. And I'm going to contact this many people on Tuesdays and this many people on Thursdays. And they get very specific about the activities. However, if I ask them, well, who specifically are you going to be contacting? They'll often just say, well, I just have a list of people. I'm just going to go through them. And I believe that that's a mistake. And it's not just my personal belief, but very rarely do I see that approach be successful. Now, by the way, there are people who can just by sheer force be successful and contact enough numbers of people that eventually it works out for them. But in today's day and age, I'd rather we think a little bit smarter rather than just do more activity. See, we can't confuse activity for accomplishment. So I'll give you some ideas on different ways to think about how you can grow your business in specific areas. So for starters, rather than thinking about the activities, what I want you to think about is more the focus. And so when I talk about focus, what I'm thinking about is this. For whom do you provide the greatest impact? Which target audience is the group that if you had their attention, you know you could have much greater impact for those people than for other people? What's going on in their world? What kind of challenges are they facing? So what I want you to do is literally just think down. And if you're driving right now, if you're at the gym, you can listen to this part later. It's at two minutes and 40 seconds or something like that, uh, maybe three minutes. The idea is that what I want you to think about is what types of clients can you provide the greatest impact and the greatest benefit for? What types of problems do you solve for those people? What are their specific job titles and roles for the people you're most likely to have the greatest impact for? And this should not be confused with who have you sold to last week or last month because you may have just stumbled across somebody who an IT director may have called you. But what I really want you to think about is who had the greatest benefit from whatever you delivered. And I want you to think about those people. And then what I want you to think about is, so what are the specific problems or challenges that those people are facing that are really worth solving? And what happens if those people don't solve those problems? And the reason I want you to ask this question is I want you to think to yourself, huh, if I was them, would that be a problem that's big enough that's worth solving? 
Now, we have to make sure that we're being honest with ourselves. See, I could say to somebody, well, you know, I have a compliance tool. And so if people are out of compliance, then they can't possibly do business and the government could shut them down. And that's absolutely right. But then we have to ask yourself is, but if I was that individual, how likely would I feel that that's going to happen to me? And if I don't think it's very likely, it's not that big of a deal. In other words, I know that every time I get on a plane, it's possible that the plane could crash. But I don't think it's that likely, which is why I fly a gazillion miles a year. If I felt I had a 50-50 shot every day, I probably wouldn't be flying that much. But I know that it's a pretty remote chance. So sometimes we tell ourselves a narrative that really matters but isn't actually accurate. So we want to make sure that we think through that in terms of why would somebody buy from us and is this a big enough problem? And then what I want you to think about is in that context of why would they buy from us, I want you to think, well, given all the different options out there, which subset of clients would buy from us and why? What would the clients have to come to believe in order to feel comfortable and feel great buying from us versus somebody else? And then I want you to think about the following, which is, and you should write all these down, which is, well, within that group of people who are having real problems that you're really good at solving, what's the subset of the people in that group who wouldn't buy from you and why wouldn't they buy from you? See, if we have a list of all these different data points then we start to refine pretty well. So you might say, for example, well, gee, my ideal client is a trade association that's struggling to attract new members. And they know that if they don't attract more millennials, that eventually their trade association is going to become obsolete. So attracting those millennials becomes really important. So who within the organization is going to care most about that? Well, the person charging membership, the executive director. Okay, now what I want you to do is step back and look through your network and LinkedIn. And look through your network online and say, well, so who knows these people? And where do these people hang out? Are they attending certain networking events? What kind of other issues are they facing? And now what I want you to be is an expert at solving a myriad of problems that those types of people have. Now, guess what? Once we do this for one category of client, we can do this for a second one, a third one, and a fourth one. And... What I would say is ideally, let's pick two or three that you're going to focus on during the year and maybe even focus on just one category initially. And now here's the next step of it. I want you to think about, so which other vendors deal with that same audience and might have no overlap with us? For example, it might be that someone's a phone system vendor. And so they sell to those that same audience, but they don't do the same things that you do. It might be a law firm that represents people like that. Now, if I reached out to that law firm or I reached out to that phone vendor and I said, hey, I'd really love to sell stuff to your clients, they would say, yeah, stand in line. A lot of people would love to sell stuff to our clients. Instead, if you said, well, what types of problems do you solve for these people? I'm like, huh, you know, that's a good question. Okay. So now if I know what types of problems that they solve, then I say, okay, so what would be the scenario where someone would need whatever it is that you sell? And people will often struggle with that. But then almost every time someone's going to say, well, what types of problems do you solve for that audience? Oh, well, see, those types of executives come to us when they're facing one of these three problems. So it could be that they're struggling to attract and retain 
millennials both as members and as associates inside their association. They might be struggling with how do they how do they become more relevant to a younger demographic since some of their demographic is going away. Or it might just be that they're trying to modernize what they do and get more innovative because what they've been doing at this point isn't really getting their membership energized. So at no point am I saying what I do. I'm just saying the types of problems we solve. Now, I'm using a trade association as an example. But it could be an IT organization that says, well, our clients come to us when they're sick and tired of having to explain to their clients why they missed a deadline, why they sent the wrong document, why – they couldn't get them something right away because they're using outdated equipment or their systems aren't reliable enough so that no matter where they are, they can't just access what they need securely. And because of that, their clients start to think that they're maybe less relevant. So the idea is that once I narrow down this focus of the right types of clients and I nail down the specifics of why they would buy from us and why they wouldn't, then I get to work through my network. I get to think about different events where I might rub shoulders with these people. And now here's the key. I want you to think of this as a long-term strategy, not a short-term strategy. See, too often we get excited because we find somebody and we say, oh, there's someone who could buy from me. So now I'm going to put on the full court press. I'm going to give them my full pitch. And instead, we have to disarm right away. Say, oh, yeah, it's great meeting with you. Here's the kind of stuff that we're addressing for trade associations, and I would love to get your input on what we're missing. And if you know of one or two organizations that might be facing that, and candidly, if you knew two of them, there's probably only one that we would determine as a good fit that we could help. But if it's something you're open to, I'd love to get your input as to how we're positioning what we're doing to see how common you think that problem is. See, one of the things we have to recognize is that just because we found somebody who would like to sell to, doesn't mean that the stars are aligned and the timing's right for that customer. And too often we're guilty of premature presentation. And we present too early when the person isn't ready for a presentation and it just pushes them away. Think of it like in a dating scenario. They don't even know you yet and someone's trying to make the big move. Well, guess what? That pushes us away. And I know some of you are thinking it doesn't push you away, but in general, for most of us, it pushes us away. And so instead, what I want you to think about is, look, if you build value, if you build trust, then if they don't buy from you today, they may buy from you in the future. If I asked them, for example, well, so zero to 10, how happy are you with your current vendor? And they say, oh, they're like a nine or a 10. Really, I'd love to know some of the things they're doing so that we could emulate those. Could you share some of those with me? And then you might after that say, well, so if you could change one or two things about them, what would those be? And you might be thinking to yourself, wow, they just raised one or two things that we can do really well. But instead of pursuing that, what I want you to do is say, look, it sounds like there's a couple of things you'd like for them to do better. I'm happy to give you some suggestions on how you can get them to possibly do those things better for you. And that way, you're not making any changes. And if it doesn't work out, if at some point in the future you'd like us to take a look at it, I'd be happy to. But right now, it sounds like you're in pretty good hands. And ironically, that's going to make someone more inclined to do business with you rather than less. Because you're recognizing that just because they have one little glitch doesn't mean they're going to drop everything and switch to you. See, effective selling is not about persuasion or coercion. It's about getting to the truth as quickly as possible. And so if we can take that long-term view, if we can think to ourselves, how are we adding value to those people over and over again? That's how we build that trust. And that's how we end up with a plan that is actually sustainable. We can achieve remarkable results. So – Remember, don't focus on activity. 
Instead, I want you to focus on where you can have the greatest impact. Once we have that, we want to think about, well, where do those people hang out? What are their job titles? Why would someone like that buy from you instead of somebody else? What would prevent them from buying from you? And then we want to think about looking at our network and see who within our network is related to those people. And then we lead with the problems that we solve, not what it is that we do. And if you take that strategy and then replicate that across two or three verticals, you will find very quickly that you can grow business in a way that makes everybody comfortable. Remember, this show gets its direction from you, the listener. If there's a topic you think I should cover, if there's a guest you think I should have on the show, just drop me a note to ian at ianaltman.com. I also want to thank you for taking the time to post reviews on iTunes. Um, it really makes a big difference, and I love getting those notes from someone that says, hey, this piece in this episode really made a difference, so always feel free to send those notes as well. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, even your customer.